let your dreams be dreams. Yesterday, you said tomorrow. So just do it. Make your dreams come true. Yeah. Brady Miller, I Am Successful Podcast. What is up? Today's Friday, October 28th, 2016. And today I have an interview with Ben Stone. Ben is a motivational speaker, a life coach, and an all-around spiritual being. We discuss that and a ton more in this interview. Enjoy. So Ben Stone is my name. I'm 27 years old. Uh, simplest way I could put it is at the age of 16, I had a awakening, a craving, and a desire to get into something spiritual. Um, even at the time, I don't think it was something spiritual. It was more just a craving and a desire to learn about the universe and what is my place in the universe. Right. What was um, what was going on before that time that really brought you to that point? I uh, grew up very uh, experimental, very out-of-the-box, very crazy. I uh, grew up immersed in hip-hop culture. I was very into breakdancing, into rapping, poetry. I still do those, do those things till today. Um, also a bit experimental with drugs, various drugs. You know, one of the things I do now, which is kind of skipping a bit, bit more of the introduction of what led me to where I am, one thing I do now is I work a lot with people in treatment who are struggling with drug addiction. It's not the only thing that I do, uh, but I find it fascinating because I think a lot of people who are into drugs, especially at a younger age, are looking for something beyond physical. They're looking for a different type of consciousness, a different way to look at the world. And that's essentially what drugs do. Uh, just unfortunately, it's maybe, at least what I've learned, is not the proper way to achieve a higher level of consciousness and a different perspective on life. So, um, I mean, yeah, so once again, so spirituality, a big component is to connect to the non-physical part of ourself. You know, one of the major non-physical parts of ourself is our way of thinking, is our energy that exists within ourself. So I could tell you, you know, for me this past year, and once again, I've been on a spiritual journey now, 10 to 11 years, and I've really invested in it. It's been the most important part of my life for the past 10 or 11 years. Um, really, everything else kind of was on the side, you know, whether it was making money and other things. Um, you know, I pushed everything to the side and was really focused on spirituality for about seven to eight of those 11 years. This past year or two years, I've been focusing on how to live a spiritual life as a physical person to also make money, to also earn a living, to also have a nice physical existence and kind of merge the two of them. Um, but what I think really about connecting to the spiritual side of ourself and really getting in touch with ourselves, it involves questioning ourselves. you know, really waking up in the morning and questioning who am I, what is my purpose, um, why do I think the way that I think, how can I, you know, even the other day I was teaching in a treatment center and there were these two gentlemen, two young guys who are overcoming uh, drug addiction there. And one of them was opening up about how he felt the other one was distancing himself from him because he recently had a relapse and fell back into drugs. And he felt that his friend was kind of distant and standoffish. And, you know, we opened it up in the group. We started some communication and dialogue. And we came to realize that the friend wasn't standoffish because... Uh, his friend recently relapsed, he was actually standoffish because he himself was going through a tough time and was making some decisions he wasn't happy about. So he kind of felt a little bit like garbage himself. And, you know, we realized from that moment that when they started communicating and speaking about things and physically expressing themselves, all of a sudden there was a lot more clarity. So the spiritual aspect is sometimes uh, just exposing, expressing, you know, our thoughts, our ideas to other people, and we can get more in touch with our, our own identity, our own feelings, our own emotions. Right. When you connect with another person, hundred you know, percent, it's more of like you know you can be you can be yourself when you truly connect with something else. Hundred you know? percent. Um, yeah, I found that when there's not a lot of communication, we kind of make our own 
stories in our minds and our it's minds exactly what happened t- in that story know, they play tricks on us 100% you know um so what you're doing now um what would you define it as so there's many components, you know. So once again, uh, truthfully, you know, I skipped a bunch of details for seven years. Once again, I did basically a type of spiritual missionary work. I wasn't really involved with many mundane and physical things. I was basically studying, helping people, teaching, and praying. Um, I shifted from that lifestyle a year ago, and I started my own life coaching and motivational speaking business. Um, right now, it consists of speaking in lots of treatment centers, speaking in some businesses, working with one-on-one clients, helping them in a targeted area in their life. Right. Uh, before you got here, I was meeting with a, a new client, a woman who is just seeking for help in her business to get more creative and to boost her income. Um, I really feel that spirituality and physicality can be linked and there should be a bridge between the two. There shouldn't be uh, somebody who just is spiritual or just is physical, although right. they're entitled to do that if they want. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really think the beauty of this world is that you can learn how to even use spiritual qualities even in your physical existence. Right. Yeah, I, I would say that success itself is not just, you know, let's say a, a, a physical thing or a monetary thing or just accumulating wealth. It's it's being happy with, you know, being a spiritual person or being, a, let's say, a sober human being or making money. All it's it's a All it's inclusive. almost like a package deal. It's not 100%. just you know, it's not lopsided. I feel 100%. like a lot of people think of success. Or, um, yeah, think of, think of success as having a lot of one thing. Totally. And then the rest of their life is totally, you know, off kilter. It's off balance. Absolutely. Um, so do you, I mean, do you feel like that would be, um, I mean, do you, do you kind of cut, what do you usually cover with like life coaching? So with life coaching, it really depends. I really mm-hmm. cater it to what the person wants. You know, I, I uh, really try to establish what it is they're looking to achieve. And sometimes they're only working on their inner progress. Sometimes they mm-hmm. want to be happier with themselves. Sometimes they want to feel more motivated. Sometimes they want to just have more understanding about the world. Other times it's focused on improving their relationship, whether it's their marriage or their intimate partner. And in this case, as I was sharing, the meeting I had before this meeting was uh, somebody trying to become more successful. Um, I really love what you said, though, you know, that, you know, success, when you ask, you know, everybody, you know, what does success mean? Everybody's going to have their own perception, their own ideas and their own views, which is totally cool. But I really connect to how you said that it's this well-rounded idea because, yeah, if I, you know, like, let's say this, if there is somebody who's struggling, especially in, you know, this physical world, especially in a place like the United States where the culture is kind of pushing you more into economics and into business, you know, if you're struggling to make ends meet, it's really hard to be spiritual because it's hard to, you know, live stress-free and it's hard to feel good about yourself when you're not providing for your family and for yourself. But on the other side of the token, you know, if you're making a lot of money and maybe you're, you know, really good with business and you're making even millions, if you're not happy with yourself and the choices you're making, what good is the money if you can't even enjoy it in yourself? What I see often, and I'm going to share with you, uh, you know, a true story. So I was teaching somewhere the other day and, uh, you know, one of the gentlemen who I was teaching, you know, he shared a little bit about his story. Uh, Right now he's a middle-aged guy, you know, mid to late 40s. And it took him up to his 30s to actually come out of the closet and admit that he was gay. And, you know, up until that point, he was pretending to be somebody that he wasn't and living a whole kind of facade life. 
And, you know, first of all, it was very courageous that he shared that. I was very happy that he came out and shared about that story. But what I thought about in that moment is that a lot of people in our culture, in our society, you know, whether it's about our sexual orientation, whether it's about even what we really desire in life, you know, we end up living a life that we don't really want to live. You know, it could be because we want the approval of our parents. We want the approval of society or our friends. And I think the major thing that I've been discovering is that the real key ingredient to happiness is really following your heart and really doing what you want to do. Um, so, you know, once again, you know, my business right now, which I'm so grateful for, is centered around inspiring people. You know, I incorporate my poetry, my hip hop. I incorporate everything I love into making a living. Um, I don't think everybody needs to make a living doing what they love, but I think it's a great way to live. Oh, yeah. You know, to really incorporate both of those elements at the same time. Now, let's say, for instance, if you're not able to, for whatever reason, monetize off doing what you love, I would say that um, to find a healthy balance of making a living, earning, uh, earning money, but also finding time to do those things that truthfully make you happy and being honest with yourself mm. about what they are. Yeah. Um, I, I've seen a lot of people who get a lot of money and they're just not happy. And then I see a lot of people who on the opposite end have 100%. no money and are like the happiest people on earth. So true. You know, um, yeah, I feel like connecting with, with who you really are on, on a, maybe a spiritual level is worth more than anything on this earth. Totally. You know? And if you can make a living off of doing being off of being who you really are, then I think that that is success in itself. 100%. 100%. I think, you know, the major thing is that, you know, there is not nothing wrong necessarily with being extremely successful, making a lot of money, uh, having a high position. But I do believe, you know, the more money a person makes and the higher position sometimes a person achieves, the spiritual test can become harder. And it's very easy to lose yourself in the money, in the fortune and the fame. Um, you know, there is also, you know, many examples of people who use their fortune and their fame for very spiritual purposes and, you know, really contribute to society and it's very beautiful. But uh, it's really a, a tough, delicate balance to really maintain, once again, a very successful physical existence and a spiritual existence. And it's important to keep on feeding both. You know, it's very simple that if you, um, you know, have a flower, you know, I have a flower right now on my kitchen table that we have to water each and every week. We put one ice cube on it. It's an orchid. And in order for it to maintain its growth, we need to keep watering it. And the same thing goes for my physical and my spiritual life. I need to constantly, continuously water and feed both of those aspects of my life. You know, I'm reading, a, I just recently read a book by a, 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 you know, a renowned psychoanalyst and just a very interesting thinker. His name is Eric Frum, and he writes a book called The Art of Love. And, you know, one of his major premises in the book, which I really connect with and agree with, is that in order to really be able to love other people, you first and foremost really need to have a, a love for yourself. And it's kind of interesting how he spoke about how many, you know, even well-known thinkers who many of us are really impressed by their name, um, you know, he spoke about how a lot of them view self-love as a negative, but he, in fact, as well as myself included, I really think that self-love is the prerequisite to really love other people in a genuine way. Absolutely. Hmm. So where do you think that ego um, comes into play with loving? I mean, there's, there is a too much <laughs> loving yourself to where you know, it's kind of feeding your ego, but where do you think the balance is between that? I don't necessarily think it's about a too much or too little when it comes to loving yourself, feeding the ego. I think it's less about quantity and more about the quality of what the love is. 
um, you know, even in a relationship, you know, there is different levels of love. And, you know, sometimes there could be a boyfriend and a girlfriend or even a husband and wife who feel they're in love, but it's not really love. It's based on need and they're actually fulfilling each other's wrong desires. And I would say that's not love. That's actually destruction. And the same way that can take place in an intimate relationship of people, it could take place with ourself that, you know, when I love myself, it means that I'm really doing stuff that is for my best interest, not just for this moment in time, but actually for the big picture of my life. And I don't think that's really ever going to be a problem, you know, if I'm really thinking of those things that are really good for me in my future and in my long run. Mm -hmm. And I also think that a big part of loving myself and doing what's good for me has to do with helping and sharing with other people. Right. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I find the times in my life I feel the best about myself and, and, you know, the most secure and the most happy and the most joy is when I'm actually inspiring and motivating other people. Right. You know? I think that's that's actually what true you know, love is, is like being able to give, you know, all of, of who you are to someone else, you know, whether it be, a, you know, a person on the street or a companion or, you know, my grandmother or my mother, you know, just being able to, um, benefit someone else's day. hundred percent. You know? And the truth is, is that, you know, if we really look into it, we feel the best at those times. You know, I remember, um, it's kind of a silly analogy, but, um, I'm now in an amazing relationship for a year, which I'm very happy about. I took seven years off of relationships to focus on my spiritual path. Mm. Uh, so this first relationship has just been unbelievable. I'm so happy in it. Uh, it started out long distance, and I remember, you know, a few months into the relationship, I, you know, surprised my girlfriend and I sent her flowers to her office. And I remember when I got the FaceTime, you know, of her receiving them and seeing her smile and how happy she was. I remember in that moment that I was so sure that I was so much more happy than she was mm. because I was the one who caused that happiness that she actually was experiencing. Mm. So I think self-love, it's, it's not about if it's right or wrong or good or bad. It's more about really understanding what it is right. and what really makes us happy and really feel good about ourselves. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's amazing, actually. Um, so I'm I'm gonna get totally <laughs> honest with you and yeah, real cool. at this point. So for me, um, it's been a very long time since I've had a relationship where I was in love. Okay, and the past year has been a, a very I want to say uh, there was a lot of discovery in my life. Awesome, and I've you know I've come to to a point where you know I'm not looking for sex anymore i'm not looking for just you know some a fling of course you know um because the past year has been that's the only thing i i seem to attract you know and, and my my buddy thatcher he always says like you know we are a space for whatever we attract okay you know so so i'm a space i well i am at this point a <laughs> space for um you know attracting women into my life who may not be of you know, the quality that I, I hold to my, to, to standard of myself. Okay. And, um, just recently I've, I've come to a realization that, you know, I have to let go of being that person. Of course. Being that space. So the past month I've gone <laughs> no sex. Okay. And I've totally, um, kind of made a commitment to myself that I'm not going to even entertain the idea of a relationship with someone who I don't totally, you know, feel like this is it. I get you. Um, 
now <laughs> I guess I want your opinion. I want you to like validate like, what, what I'm saying. Like, okay. what's what's your opinion on that? Do you think there's um, like if anyone's looking for love, do you think that they have to kind of condition themselves to receive love? You know, I think love is a is a, once again it's a mysterious thing. It's mm. something that is like a holy, if I could even use such a word. It's something that's pure. It's something that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And once again, many of us are really misinterpreting. And and you know that's okay. You know, I, I'm really somebody who really believes in free will and freedom of thinking and freedom of religion and have your own thoughts. Right. But I also believe we should try to advance, elevate, and evolve our thoughts. Right. For sure. And a lot of the you know ways that we view love a lot of the time once again is more about feeding our own selfishness and is less about really love and really being there for another person mm-hmm. um i could tell you for me it's going to sound a bit intense i took over seven years off of any sexual connection to wow. women um a lot of times when people hear that it sounds a bit crazy and even a bit intimidating mm-hmm. um but it's something i chose to do for myself i don't necessarily recommend it for other people it's just <laughs> kind of you know like i really really went through an intense introspective, you know, seven, eight years of my life looking for deep spiritual connection. Right. Um, right now, I even question, maybe that was too long, maybe not, but it was just something I did. Um, when it comes to attracting, though, you know, somebody in my life that it's going to be a deep, real, and meaningful relationship, um, I think it's very important, you know, firstly to, you know, remove those aspects of yourself. I think you're doing a perfect thing right now as you're really looking inside and you're doing some introspection and reflection. You know, what are those aspects of myself that are attracting that wrong partner? Right. And I think when you discover that and then more importantly start to change that, mm-hmm. of course the people or the women in this case in your life are gonna you're gonna attract a different woman, of course. Right. Hundred percent. Um so what do you think this whole thing is about um kind of staying abstinent, I guess. That's what you can call it, right? Staying of course, abstinent. Of course, of course. What do you think there it is about that hmm. that really It's a great question. You know, kind of kind of molds like this this um the space for it, like an, an ideal partner to come into play. I love that question, you know, and I, I, it's it's funny you ask that because you know. So once again, I I was seven years absent and all those different things, and eventually, um, I uh, you know started a relationship. I wasn't even in a relationship for seven years, and I remember when I started it, I was speaking with a really close friend of mine, who I also look up to as kind of a spiritual mentor and just a great guy. And I was asking him, you know, like, it's been so long, you know, I grew up sexually active and all those things, and I stopped for so long, like, I don't even know how to approach this relationship, what am I going to (laughs) do? And, you know, he gave me, his advice was so beautiful, because I learned a lot of ancient deep spiritual teachings, or even religious teachings, about why it's better to abstain. And once again, I always tell people, you need to find your own path, you know, if you feel like abstaining, maybe it's important. If you're okay with it, that's you, that's fine, you know, you don't have to follow a rule book, per se. But one thing he said that I really loved, he said... In his own experience, that when sex, you know, gets involved in the relationship, it has an ability to really blind you of other aspects of the relationship. Right. And I really like that, that, you know, it's, I think it's really important to get to know a person for who they are, their qualities, their attributes, their essence, uh, before exploring the sexual aspect. Because if not, you might get so into the sex that it might blind you from who the person actually is. Right. I've actually heard the, I heard this in, in a podcast um and I think his name was, oh, man, I, don't, I really don't want to botch this guy's names. Uh, I think it was Derek Smiles or some, it was someone like that. <laughs> okay. His last name was Smiles. I know that. Does he and, smile a lot or what? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And what he said was the same thing. It was, it was along the lines of, you know, he, he stopped having sex um, because he, he, you know, he wanted to not think 
with his his penis. He, he didn't want to think with his dick. He anymore. wanted to think with his other head. Right, right, <laughs> right. Exactly, and that's that's a huge part of uh, the trouble that personally for me I get into. Yeah, you know, as a twenty nine year old male, hundred percent, I do everything with the other head with with my dick. Exactly. <laughs> okay, and and I find that you know it only has gotten me momentary you know pleasure it's only gotten me um these moments that uh that i keep regretting or i i I wonder why you know i'm not in a position that i want to be in with love and you know it's because i'm i'm not giving that a chance i'm you know i'm i'm not holding out for the good stuff to come into my life. I'm I'm taking the the short road, Understand. as they say. You know, you, you know, there's a a book, and and you know, I, I'm you know reciting a few books in here. I wrote the Art of Love by Eric Fromm. There's another book that is just it's a must read for anybody looking for meaning, purpose, and spirituality in their life. It's a book by Viktor Frankl called The Man's Search for Meaning. Mm. And um, one thing he says in the book about love, he says that sex should be the result of uh, sex should be the effect of love and not the cause for love. So you That's know, once it, once you uh, you achieve love, you know, sex should be an obvious result that you know, because you know, even in ancient spirituality, they look at sex as this you know really elevated connection between uh, you know two forces between the male or the female component, or even in other cases, whatever floats your boat. Mm-hmm. But the the <laughs> idea, <laughs> the idea is that you know, sex is it, it could be viewed as something very spiritual and elevated, or unfortunately, it could become a really low class, unevolved, you know, unspiritual thing. It could right. be very physical. But it's kind of interesting how this thing you know this you know this sexual aspect of life it can either be a very physical and very non-spiritual thing or at the same time some of the most ancient sages speak about how sex can be the most elevated spiritual experience of your life right and it's really depending on where is it coming from is once again the emphasis of the relationship is it just about sex and are you trying to use the sex to create love or are you really in love? Do you have a deep connection on a soul level with this person? And as a result, you come together and enjoy each other physically. Hmm. And that's the result. It's a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you think, can you define like love? That I know it's it's a super hard thing to, to even comprehend, but w- you know, what do you think like the factors are that make a person in love? You know what I mean? Do you think there's certain things that um, we kind of connect on on a different level that kind of, you know, bing, we're in love? I think love, you know, in general, love could be channeled and directed where a person wants. And a lot of times it involves a lot of self-control and will and all those mm-hmm. different kinds of things. You know, I know for me that, um, you know, I put love into my work. I put love into my poetry. I put love into reading. I put love into thinking about the world and discovering myself. Mm-hmm. And I think also it's up to a person to decide, you know, what I want to channel my love towards these friends. Or when you're dealing with, you know, one partner, let's say marriage eventually, or just an intimate partner for now, you're dealing with one person that you really decide. I want to channel my love towards this person and really grow a relationship. Mm. And I think it's a very big decision that should be made after really realizing that me and this person, we really add value to each other. We really have a similar belief system about life and about where we're heading. And once you decide that, you can really let go and channel love towards that individual. Right. Um, but it's a constant thing. It's like uh, you constantly make an effort, and sometimes it has to do with um, you know being there for somebody when you're not in the mood. Sometimes mm-hmm. you're in a crappy mood, and you just you, you still need to be there for them. Sometimes it's about taking out the trash when you don't want to. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's even in those little things, those little caring moments, not necessarily so much in those big things that most of us think about. Right. 
Right. So, um, I guess this is another uh, question, you know, going with this whole sex and love sure. kind of um, paradigm, um, monogamy. Now, I've heard, I've heard a lot of like studies, scientific studies that said that say men naturally are are not apt to be monogamous. Okay. Because of, um, I guess you know, our ancestors, 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 you know, the whole point of reproduction is to um, find a partner and and reproduce as mm-hmm. many times as possible. And I feel like, you know, I, I kind of used that as, a, as an excuse for a long time to, to, you know, continue what I was doing. And then <laughs> it's funny how these things like kind of influence in our thought patterns. I, I heard another uh, scientific study that says, you know, we are not our ancestors anymore. <laughs> That's a good, yeah, I really <laughs> because, like that. Because of how we've, we've evolved so 100%. much that it's not about our, you know, our, um, our caveman minds anymore. It's, we can commit. 100%. We can channel our energy 100%. in a certain way. And, you know, if, if we feel this love towards one person and we can commit and we can be with this one person, then, I mean, you know, doing anything else would be wrong. You know what I mean? There's many components uh, to that question. You know, I really like what you said about, you know, we're, we're not anymore this ancient man. We're now mm-hmm. a modern man, and modern man is very different. And, you know, I always share this example, which is a bit extreme, that if you take a, a male and a female dog that are both in heat and you put them in the middle of the room, they're for sure going to have sex. Mm-hmm. And there's not going to be a debate if it's their soulmate. There's not going to be a debate even if I'm going to get pregnant. They're right. animals, they're dogs. They're just going to have sex. Mm-hmm. And human beings, you know, we're more elevated. We can really consider the past, present, and future mm-hmm. uh, in a moment and really think if it's a good action for us to take. Right. Um, you know, there's even mystical concepts, let's say, um, about souls and karma or what in Kabbalah or Judaism they call tikkun that when you have sex every single person you have sex with especially for a guy by the way every woman a man has sex with he gives a piece of his energy and a piece of his soul to her mm. so it becomes more of a less of a question about morals and more of a question about do I really want to keep giving pieces of my soul mm. and energy away to right. these random women or do I really want to establish a bond and a soul connection to a woman who I really love trust know and really want to be with for the rest of my life right that's very you know? very interesting yeah, I love talking about this kind of stuff, man. It really makes you, yeah. makes my mind kind of, you know. 100%, man. I'm, uh, having, I'm having fun with you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, I mean, what do you, what do you think the, the big difference is between somebody who is at that level of, you know, being monogamous mm-hmm. and someone who's not? What do you think the big difference is well, there? First of all, it really depends on, you know, is the person married or not? Because unfortunately mm. in our society, you have many people who are married to a wife and their wife is believing that they're monogamous mm. and they're not. So, I mean, there's a very big difference between somebody who's trying to discover who they are and discover who they want to be with. Um, you have different religious systems that are, you know, imposing, you know, this idea of even, you know, restricting sex until marriage on, mm-hmm. on people. Right. Some people follow it. Some people don't. There's many different ideologies and schools of thought on, on the subject. I think the major question is, you know, when it comes to that concept, you know, I was even, you know, teaching someone the other day and there was this whole discussion about this one, you know, particular guy in the, in the, the group of people I was teaching that he's sleeping with, you know, lots of women all the time mm-hmm. and he doesn't feel guilty or, or bad about it, which I'm kind of shocked of because, you know, my, you know, it's a kind of Freudian psychology concept because of the super ego mm-hmm. that we all have this force within us that kind of is our detector between what's right and wrong 
And when we go against, let's say, our system and right and wrong and our values, we kind of don't feel so good about ourselves. Right. So for whatever reason, his values just don't seem to care about that. Wow. Um, or at least he's not consciously aware that he feels bad about it. Yeah. But I do think, you know, uh, and, you know, kind of in looking at him that he maybe even unconscious does feel bad that he's doing it. Hmm. I think that, um, you know, somebody who can really, you know, even to sidetrack a little, you know, um, one thing he shared, and, you know, I'm not mentioning his name. I hope he's okay that I'm talking about it. I'm not going to mention his name right. on, the, on the session. But one thing he said is that when he sleeps with more women, he feels more secure about himself. Hmm. And one thing I said to him, I said, listen, I, I think that's a fake security. I don't think that's a real security because right. if you need to sleep with women to feel secure, that means you're dependent on them. I think you need to get to a point where you feel secure no matter what. Right. You know what I'm saying? I think that's, uh, he's, he's building confidence out of um, what may people might deem as something that's that's not the right thing to do. Just as like if a thief robs 20 people flawlessly, his confidence is totally boosted and he feels good about himself. 100%. And he might you even know? continue doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it connects even to the concept that we were going to touch on with conditional and unconditional love that, you know, like, uh, you know, this particular guy maybe loves himself more when he has sex with people or mm. with, with more women. But I don't think it's a real love. I think it's a love really out of lack. And I think at the end of the day, and that's just my opinion, I think at the end of the day, he loves himself a lot less. Right. You know, he needs I, validation constantly. 100%. Right. And it's just this, it's it's another addiction. It's mm. another cycle of needing some type of quick fix energy, whether it's from sex, whether it's from chocolate, whether it's from drugs, whether it's from attention that, you know, I, I can't be fulfilled without it. Mm. I don't think that's ever a good place to be in. No, absolutely not. Um, so I guess the what's the true difference, you would say, between unconditional and conditional love? You know, uh, that's a long question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because uh, when, it, you know, I don't even know where to start with it. Conditional and unconditional love. I think, first of all, there is conditional and unconditional love towards myself. Mm -hmm. I think there's conditional and unconditional love towards others. And there's even this understanding of how the higher power works and where the conditional and unconditional love works with that. Um, it's a very complex subject. I really feel like the force, the only force is the truest force of unconditional love in this world is the higher power. Mm -hmm. And I remember reading from a sage one time um, that he said that, you know, you know, the, the higher power or the universe, whatever works for you, is, you know, allowing you to breathe, is helping you to move even as you're about to go do the worst crime of your life. Right. And that's how unconditional is the love of the higher power towards us. Um, I think when it comes to human interaction towards ourselves and to others, uh, one thing that many people get surprised by when I say it is that I feel it's important to both have conditional love and unconditional love towards yourself as well as other people and not only mm. one. What do you mean by having both for yourself? It's a very important question. So let's say, you know, when I have, you know, conditional love for myself, it means I have love based on conditions, mm. which means I love myself based on meeting certain criteria. Right. And it's important that I, I, you know, start to, you know, let's say for me, I love myself more when I read and I love myself when I help more people and I love myself when I'm, you know, exercising. And I think that's important. I don't think I should have a crutch that I need to exercise every day or I need to read in order to love myself. But I do feel it's important that I try to motivate myself to achieve certain objectives and I could feel good about myself after I achieve them. Right. 
unconditional love, I think it's, you know, it's great because, you know, let's say I mess up, you know, let's say, you know, I work in treatment, a lot of people relapse, and it's really hard to get over the shame and the guilt after that. You know, you might be sleeping with women, and maybe you don't want to anymore, that comes with a lot of shame and guilt. Mm -hmm. It's very important to be able to forgive ourselves and love ourselves, even if we don't meet certain conditions and criteria, but I also think it's important that we try to push ourselves towards achieving certain goals. Right. So that conditional love for my for yourself would um, would you call that like a um, holding yourself to a certain standard? Hundred percent. Okay. Hundred percent. Absolutely. Could you elaborate more on um, on that? I think that um, in general, once again, and I, I learned about this uh, also is from a. I think it was from Eric Fromm. I'm studying different people all the time. He was speaking about how even the connection to a higher power. Um, you know, even from a theological perspective, um, there's been times that there's been a patriarchal aspect to religion versus a matriarchal aspect to religion. And what Eric Fromm does, he kind of explains how um, it connects to even how a father's love is towards their kids and a mother's love is towards their kids. And he says that a father's love, you know, it's called an archetype, which means it normally is this way, although it's not always this way. A father's love towards his kids is normally meant is is normally based more on meeting certain criteria. I love you because you behave in this way. I love you because you're similar to me. A mother's love, he says, is normally just I love you because I gave birth to you. I loved you because you're my son or my daughter. And I think it's important, once again, we adopt both of those loves within our system because we want to, once again, push ourselves to achieve an objective, to become more successful, to become a better person, to care about people more. And that's kind of the conditional love. I'm putting conditions upon myself. But I think on the other side of the spectrum, we need to be able to say to ourselves, you know what, Ben, or you know, whoever, you know, whoever's listening to this, even though you didn't achieve your goal and your objective, you're still an awesome person. You're mm-hmm. still a divine spark. You're still a creation of the creator, and you still have to love yourself regardless. Right. So what I'm, what I'm hearing is, is conditional love for myself um, would be holding myself to a standard let's say for instance with with you know not not sleeping with substandard women or that, being yeah, in, yeah, a, in a relationship that I'm not really into or just using someone for for whatever 100% um and the unconditional love for myself would be it's okay you know all is forgiven because I have another chance you know it it's not it's not over you know and yes and and you really like the way you explained it shows me that you really understood what i was sharing perfectly mm-hmm. the the conditional love is kind of to motivate me you know to try to in your case you know maybe let me stop sleeping with women because it's not really helping me let me try to develop something meaningful first mm-hmm. the unconditional love exactly what you said that if you know for whatever reason i find myself slipping and making a mistake that i'm not you know filled with shame and guilt for the next 6 months right. and then i can say you know what i made a mistake i'm a human being i still love myself regardless and i'm going to keep trying to achieve my goal right where it becomes a little tricky is some people can use that to manipulate themselves hmm. is they can keep you know going back into their negative pattern of behavior or thinking right and say you know what i'm going to keep unconditionally loving myself <laughs> and that's why it's very important once again to adopt both right and it's right. very difficult to do that to have the conditional love and the unconditional love at the same time for sure i, I see yeah. that a lot with um parents and their children um you know a mother or a father will have unconditional love for their child mm-hmm. And say, oh, it's okay, Johnny, or whoever. <laughs> you you can you know yeah. you can get fired from from the from your job. 
you can live in the basement and yeah. and eat Cheetos and play video games. We're just going to keep loving you. Exactly. But where's that person going to be in 10 years? Exactly. That that type of parenting. And, you know, I feel a little silly to say because I'm not a parent yet, although I can't wait. Um, and though it's kind of interesting, I'm not a parent per se, but I do sometimes work even with parents and helping them try to educate and teach their children in certain ways. Uh, but it, it's true that, it, you know, as a parent, you need to have the conditional and the unconditional. Right. You need to, you know, give some discipline and teach your kids that they need to earn and they need to, you know, kind of grow into their own person. Hmm. And at the same time, you know, you need to be able to, when they make the mistake, have the forgiveness. Right. And it's up to the parent, especially, you know, that, that's elevated parenting, knowing how and when to use conditional love and knowing how and when to use unconditional love. Right. Absolutely. So that conditional love... Um you know, the example that you you use with the father and, you know, um, maybe giving love only when the child, you know, does, you know, what they're told, that discipline. Mm-hmm. How do you think that um, a child being disciplined, mm-hmm. they, they obviously experience pain. Mm-hmm. How do you think like pain kind of teaches human beings how to you know, get better? That's a deep question, you know, and and first of all, there is certain things that might be good for us that could be painful. There's Mm. certain things that might be bad for us that can give us pleasure. So it's a bit of a tricky question. Um, And also, you know, once again, I'm thinking of uh, another true story that, you know, like, because I'm all all the time meeting with people privately or teaching and people share me their stories and and I love it. I love really to hear people's stories. And I'm thinking of uh, a gentleman who shared with me that uh, when he was younger, he was... uh, I think he said 11 years old. He was uh, in not such a good neighborhood, and you know he was a white guy, a white kid, 11 years old, and he got beat up by two black kids, mm-hmm. and they started beating the crap out of him. And you know, lo and behold, these group of three white kids uh, came over who were older than him and, and beat the, the black kids up and helped him. Mm-hmm. And these were actually skinheads. They were really racist. They hated gays. They hated blacks. They hated, I think, even Jews, he said. Uh, it's not really important who they hated, but they were very hateful people. Right. But, you know, for him, these were people who protected him from pain. <laughs> hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, they, you know, they started treating him well. They started buying him things. And they kind of started grooming him to join this hate group that's hmm. hating people. And for a long time, he hated, you know, black people and other people. And it took him a long time to realize that that's not the way because that's hmm. all that he was taught growing up because they protected him from pain. So pain and pleasure are, are interesting teachers in our life, but we kind of need to learn them in the right context. Right. And it's not always so easy to do that. Hmm. Not always so easy to do that. Yeah. I know for me, a lot of, uh, a lot of pain caused um, confusion. You know, it caused me to really not understand um, what life was about. You know, I thought that pain meant that I was, you know, a bad person. Or What, what kind of pain? Um, I, I mean, I would say emotional pain. Okay. You know, um, there was a lot of times when I would really not be okay with who I was. And that caused a lot of pain, you know, for me as a child, because I felt like being who I was, wasn't the right way to be. Of course. Because I was very hyperactive, very, you know, in school I would get in trouble a lot. And told like, you know, I, I remember I got told I was a piece of work by by an art teacher because yeah. of my energy level, and um, that pain kind of caused me to recoil Understand. and not be myself. Hundred percent. You know, 
those are big things, you know, speaking of, you know, being uh, raised and, and parents and even if it's authority figures in school and even if it's society, um, you know, we can go on for, you know, hours and hours about the education system and, you know, maybe how it can be tweaked and yeah. teach people in a more productive way. But absolutely, you know, a lot of the times, you know, you, you know, once again, you can be this really energetic, hyper and excited person. And maybe that's not a bad thing. Maybe you just needs to learn to be channeled in a better way. And unfortunately, somebody can say something to you, make you feel bad about it. And unfortunately, you could shut it down for many years. Right. Um, I know for myself that, you know, part of my, you know, once again, I had a very deep, you know, spiritual journey for seven years and there was great things I learned, but there was also many mistakes that I made in that journey and I learned from those mistakes today. There was many parts of myself that I shut down. I stopped connecting to my creative aspects and my mm. rap and my poetry and my dancing. Um, I didn't see how it really fit into my spiritual life. Mm. And now when I look at it, you know, in retrospect, you know, those are what make me unique. Those are attributes from the higher power or from the universe that they gave me that I really think are so part of who I am and who I should be for my entire life. Right. And, you know, it's kind of silly. I, I don't know why I shut them down. I think I just felt I needed to. Hmm. And I'm happy that I reinvited them into my life. Right, for sure. I had this discussion with uh, somebody else on the podcast, and we were talking about, you know, where do you think our our ideas come from? Where do you think our intuition comes from? Hmm. You know, our, our, our going with our gut feeling, where do you 100%. think that comes from, you know? It can come from many places, you know, intuition. It's also, you know, a lot of your questions, they're awesome questions, but they're also very delicate and deep questions mm. in the sense that some people think they're following their intuition, but they're, you know, the question is, are they really? Mm. You know, I always like to share with people that we have two parts of ourselves. We have, you know, an ancient wisdom. In Hebrew, they call it the Yetzir Hara and the Yetzir Atov. It means the evil inclination and the good inclination. I like to explain it as a force within us that's creative and looking to add value to our lives and the lives of others, hmm. and a force that's self-destructive and adding destruction into the world. Yeah. And always the question is, when you're trying to listen to your intuition, is what part of yourself are you listening to? You mm. know, there are people who say they're listening to their intuition and they might be killing someone, right. <laughs> or they might be <laughs> right. using lots of drugs right now. Yeah. Is that really their intuition, or is mm. that really you know, their negative part of themselves? Mm. Um, on the contrary, there's people who have great intuition and this positive voice that's trying to you know, be heard inside of them and they might ignore it because they're afraid. Right. So it can really go either way. Right. You know? Yeah, I really, I love to go super deep with like <laughs> my questions and like interview totally. style. So let's go deeper. Go for it, man. <laughs> so what do you think, um, do, do you think there is a good and evil aspect of, of a human? Do, do you I mean, I could totally say that um, from life experiences, there have been times where I've sensed evil and I've sensed true evil. And um, on the other side, I've sensed true goodness, true, true, um, you know, let's say godliness. Of course. Um, I guess, what's your take on that whole like good and evil thing? Do you think there's something out there that's like... Once again, it's a, it's a very, you know, intense and broad subject and mm -hmm. we can spend hours and hours and hours <laughs> just on that subject. Yeah. I really think, you know, uh, let's say even, you know, in religions, you know, they have this constant discussion between what's good and what's evil. And I think there are things that are inherently, you know, right and wrong. Mm -hmm. But I think also there's a little bit of room for perspective in that. Um, it's kind of interesting how, you know, religions are, you know, uh, causing so many arguments and fighting and killing and wars and negativity, right. and yet they're preaching about being good. Mm. And it's kind of funny. I mean, you know, for me, you know, being judgmental and critical and not giving somebody the space to have their own thoughts <laughs> is not such a good thing. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, it's a really delicate question. I think in general, for me, good is more relating to 
what's really good for myself in the big picture and what's good for others in the big picture, mm-hmm. what's really going to add a value to others, what's really sharing and caring and going to help them. Mm. And what's bad usually is something that's very selfish and is going to actually not only just hurt other people in my life, but it's actually going to hurt myself. Right. You know? So, I mean, do you think that destruction, uh, that's what I heard when, when you, you know, you touched on evil, uh, in my mind, you know, when when you said that it was kind of um, like evil is, could be a, a, a human being's nature to be just destructive or, uh, Good could be the humans, human being's nature to be a creator. Um, Love it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What do you think that um, the big, I mean, do, do you think there's some aspects of human beings to have a, a godliness being a creator? I mean, we can create, you know, we can create other human beings. We can create ideas. We can create buildings, 100%. structures. Uh, you know, there, there's two ancient concepts. So there's an ancient verse, by the way, that it says that uh, the creator, you know, whether you believe in a creator or, or what you feel connected to, but it says that the creator created the evil inclination, the negative desires, mm-hmm. but he also created spiritual wisdom to be the medicine for that. Mm. And I think it's really important that, you know, the good and the bad within us, you know, there's even another verse and it's originally in Hebrew. It says that uh, a person should love the higher power with all of their hearts and it doesn't say love, you know, love God with all your heart. It says love God with all your hearts, plural. Mm. And there's commentaries, you know, why does it say plural hearts? And because your heart is the house of both your, your positive and negative desires. Mm. And to realize that even our negative desires, our negative thoughts, our negative emotions are also coming from a higher source. And that's really the purpose of our life. Our purpose is to be this human being, be this body and soul, be this animalistic force and this angelic force and have the free will to choose the positive over the negative. Mm. And if it weren't for the negative itself, we wouldn't really have a purpose in this existence. Right. So it's almost like sometimes we need to even appreciate the negative thoughts and negative desires we have because that's our job that's our work that's where we actually add something in this world right how do you how do you think uh if somebody is in a position where they're struggling with where they should go in life what suggestions can you give somebody like that somebody who's struggling where they should go in life um, it really, really depends, you know, um, I think, you know, once again, having a good friend or if, you know, they can have some type of coach in their life that can guide them, I think it could be great, but it really depends on which one, by the way. Um, I, I think starting to look into books and just kind of thinking about what you desire. I think asking yourself, you know, what do I desire? What do I enjoy? What mm. do I love? Uh, sometimes even let's say if it's somebody who's a little older, uh, maybe even going back to what did I love as a kid? What did I love growing up? What are those things that really, you know, awaken my passion and excitement? Um, I think it's really important to start there. You know, what do I love? What do I want? Where do I want to go? Starting asking yourself questions. Um, and I think if you really do that from a true authentic place, you'll start to get answers. Hmm. Cool. Um, so I wanted to ask you about your, so you were, you were at the the Cabal Center Mm -hmm. and you transitioned. So did you, did you, did you go from like working there to your own business or so, so yeah i worked uh for the kabbalah center for seven years as a as a teacher there right um and then yeah a year ago now i transitioned started my own business which is as i share with you life coaching motivational speaking yes so when you made that final like leap as they say um how did you know like this is 
you know, were you a hundred percent like, okay, you can like convicted. I would, uh, that's, that's the best way I could describe that feeling is like being convicted to make it, make a move. hundred percent. Um, what was like, what was going on in your life at that point? You know, that was a unique line of work. Mm -hmm. Um, once again, it was a missionary style work. It wasn't a job where I was getting paid to do it. It was a very unique lifestyle that, uh, I enjoyed at the time. Right. Um, you know, one thing that was going on inside of myself is I was having different desires. I wanted mm-hmm. to earn an income. I wanted to experience the physical sides of life as well as the spiritual. Right. I wanted to start a relationship. And, you know, just I was listening to the, that dialogue inside of myself. Um, I felt something was missing. I wanted to explore and learn different things. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to teach what I wanted, to be able to say what I wanted, to mm-hmm. be able to, you know, rap whenever I wanted, dance whenever I wanted. I really wanted more freedom and independence. Right. And... I didn't, you know, I remember, you know, it's funny you ask, how did I make that decision? I remember I was so nervous and scared. I remember mm-hmm. I even threw up that day that I made that decision wow. because any transition, you know, if you're used to working a certain company for seven years or you're in a relationship for 10 years and all of a sudden you're getting out of that relationship or that company, you know, it's venturing back off into the unknown and it's mm-hmm. scary as hell. Yeah. And I think that there's many people who could spend their whole life um in the wrong relationship because they're more comfortable or secure in the wrong company, even in the wrong lifestyle. Right. It's what they and, know. Yeah. And it really, it requires support. It requires courage. It requires faith, you know, and a higher mm. power just saying, you know what, if I make this decision and really go for something a hundred percent, I know there's going to be a force out there. The universe is just, is going to be with me as long as I make my 100% effort. Right. That's yeah. actually the next question I was going to ask you was, sure. Uh, what fears came up? You know, as a result of like being in that position of like, I want, you know, I want to make a move. Um, I mean, there's got to be some part of you that that said at that point, like, maybe I shouldn't do this. 100 percent. I mean, there was many fears. You know, I I, once again, I was, uh, you know, Kabbalah teacher and I was becoming more successful as a teacher. And I was, you know, teaching seminars all over the place. And I had many students. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of interesting that I felt very secure at that time. But when I transitioned and I started from the ground again, from the bottom, you know, with no students and no teaching and, you know, zero money and I had to, you know, grow a business from nothing, um, all of a sudden a lot of insecurities came up, you know, like um, I I was questioning my own power, my own strength, my own knowledge as an individual. And that's been a process ongoing for the past year that I, very happy to say after a year of really working to discover my own inner power as an individual, you know, that I really feel much stronger now, but it was not easy at all. Absolutely mm. not. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people go through, um, you know, certain things they want to do in life, but they let fear stop them. Um, I know from my experience, it's that comfortability, that, that, that familiar, um, bubble, hundred percent, you know, uh, where I know I'll be safe and I know the outcome and doing something, doing anything different from that is always a risk. Yeah. You know, but I feel like at, 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 if it's something you truly want and you know 100% you of want course. it, you'll be willing to risk. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, there there's like a, a balance, you know, like mm-hmm. not to be a complete idiot about your decision-making process and not to, you know, do something completely stupid and right. life-threatening, et right. cetera. But um, I also think that, uh, you know, in business and spirituality and life, it's the same thing. If there's no risk, there's not going to be much return on your investment. Um, Not that we should all the time be looking for the most risky decisions. Mm -hmm. But I think that, um, you know, it's kind of simple. If you want, you know, in ordinary life, you can remain 
you can keep doing ordinary things. Right. But if you want an extraordinary life and you really want to experience, you know, the full vibrancy of life and your potential and everything this world has to offer you, I think you need to make some extraordinary decisions mm-hmm. which involve breaking through fears, walking through fears. Right. Doing what, you know, the majority of the population are not willing to do. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I know for um, a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and read a lot of books about success and about uh, entrepreneurship and that is a huge part of it is, you know, being willing to go through all the shit yeah. that it takes to get to that point. Yeah. And most people are just not willing to do that. Yeah. They're not willing to put themselves through um, the shit. Potential pain. Yeah, the shit. <laughs> <laughs> put themselves through the shit. Absolutely. And, and the beginning part, you know, I think that whether it's in spirituality in general to become a more spiritual person, whether it's in entrepreneurship to start your own business, whether it's even in a relationship and getting yourself back out there, I think the beginning is always the hardest part mm-hmm. and the scariest part. Uh, I was having a conversation with somebody who also uh, was a, a you know a great mentor of mine in the beginning when I started this business, and he's still a very close friend of mine that I really look up to today. Uh, somebody who is a very successful guy in in business, and you know uh, been alive a little bit longer than me. And um, he said to me, you know, with well, the difference between successful people versus non-successful people, is usually that successful people. They have fear just like the non-successful person, but they're usually more afraid of not trying than they are of failing mm. and living with the regret. Yeah. So I think that's a big thing, you know, really just realizing that, you know, like everybody has fear. The most successful person in the world, the most unsuccessful person in the world, the most spiritual person, the most unspiritual. But it's the question is, what are you going to do with your fear? Are you going to let it cripple you and control you? Or are you going to decide to own up to it and, and walk through it with excitement, knowing that something beautiful is on the other side of it? Right. True Failure is uh, being afraid to try. 100%. And and success, even if you don't achieve what you want to do, having having the kind of uh, the the balls to do it is success in itself. Totally. Having the balls, you gain the experience, you're going to learn from it. Right. You know, usually the people, it's kind of funny, if you look at the people who are the more successful, it usually means they failed more. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I mean, Bill Gates wasn't, you know, all of a sudden successful. He went through some failures. Steve Jobs went through some failures. Mm -hmm. Everybody who's, you know, making a lot of money. And also it's in spirituality. You have to make mistakes. And, you know, most of us are so afraid of making mistakes that the fear of making mistakes actually cripples us and prevents us from growing. Right. There's actually uh, an old, I guess it's not old, but there's a commercial with Michael Jordan. And it's, it's clips of his career. And it's just him falling on the ground and missing shots and he it's his 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 voice and he's saying i've missed this many shots mm-hmm. i've been trusted with the ball the game winning shot and i've missed yeah. over this many amount of times and the last uh image on, on the commercial is him you know actually dunk like dunking a shot yeah. and saying because i fail that's why i succeed absolutely and that's so true it's like you know it's it's not the 100th chop to the tree that takes it down it's the 99 before it exactly you know and for whatever reason it's kind of like that expression that most of us are so focused on the destination that we're missing the journey Mm. and a lot of people think and you know i think there's a a piece in all of us that wishes you could skip the journey and arrive to the destination (laughs) but i i just i know in my own personal life and everybody i speak to you know that has you know made it more successful in business or spirituality that it just in this world you can call it laws of nature you can call it what you want there's no way to skip the journey to arrive to the destination you have to be willing to go through the journey right you know um i've heard a lot of people say that success is has nothing to do with the final outcome it's 
you know, it's the person you become as a result of all the experiences on the on that journey. Absolutely. You know, I think that's more valuable than achieving any goal is is growing yeah. in, internally. You know? Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, I just wanted to thank you, Ben, for uh, sitting down with me and having a, a good, solid, like, intimate interview. This is 100%, very, man. Thank very you. cool. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's uh, one of my favorite things to do is just to have a, a nice conversation with an awesome different individual who has yeah. their own perspective and thoughts and thank you so much for having me for sure if anyone wants to reach out to you is there anywhere on the web that someone could uh, contact uh, you the best for now would be to go through my Facebook I have a Facebook page it's uh, three words Ben Stone Speaks uh, that's also my Instagram and my Twitter um, on Facebook I'm putting out um, all kinds of um, you know motivational videos and messages that you can check out poetry regular speaking like this style um, I have a website also it's benstonespeaks.com um, it's pretty new and it's constantly getting upgraded. Um, and I hope in the near future to have a lot more stuff on there as well. Awesome. I'll have the links all in the show notes. Um, again, Ben, thank you. I'm going to take a little uh, <laughs> GoPro shot and For post sure. it on the... Uh... Let's do another like a freaky one.